0: Hello and welcome to the Granter podcast. I'm Ted Hodgkinson and today I'm delighted to be joined by Granter new poet, Sean Borrowdale. We'll be discussing his debut collection, shortlisted for the T.S. Eliot Prize, Bee Journal, which recounts a year in the life of a beekeeper and his charge, a hive filled with life and often strangely with death and with absence. It's a collection that marks time by the life cycle of bees, but it also speaks very much to our contemporary moment of economic downturn, anxiety, and surveillance. Thank you for joining me, Sean. We'll begin with a reading, and then close with a reading.
1: To be honest, this is dark stuff, mud, tang of bitter battery-tasting honey. The woods are in it, rocked. Decayed conglomerates, old garlic leaf, tongue wretched by dead tastes, stubborn crystal like rock, ingredients. Ivy, sweat, testosterone, the blood of mites. Something human in this flavour, surely. Has all the clamber, twist, and grip of light starved roots and beetle borehole dust. Deciduous flare of dead leaf, bright lights leached out like gypsum almost, alabaster ghost. Do not think this unkind. The effect is slow and salty in the mouth. The body is widow in her dying year. It is bleak with taste and like meat gamey. This is the offal of the flower's nectar. The sleep of ancient insects runs on this. Giant's causeway, hexagons we smeared on buttered toast or just the pellets gouged straight from wax to mouth. Try this addiction. Compounds of starched, cold, lichen-gray light. What else seeps out? Much work. One bee. Ten thousand flowers a day to make three teaspoons worth of this disconcerting solid broth of forest flora full of fox immune to woodshade now.
0: Thank you very reading. Um it's a great poem to start our discussion I think Um, one of the things that strikes me about that poem in this collection is this sense of the provisional about some of the lines Um, the beginning of this poem, to be honest there's a sort of casual tone there Um, these poems feel sometimes like notes that are capturing the ethereal things that are fleeting and being lost continually to us uh, and it seems that their their urgency, their job, is to capture those things in language. And, and it's it's extremely... Um, there's an extremely um, deft sort of acoustic sensibility that's capturing those things. But there's also this sense of there being, in some way, a sketch for, for something greater, for something um, deeper. And I wanted to start by asking you about how you go about this. I know that you are... Uh, you do keep bees and that this is a real um, it's not um, it's not a theme you've adopted as a sort of literary device it's actually also you know something you do so how does the process of beekeeping and that daily process fit in with the process of writing and is that note-taking is did this journal kind of grow from that sort of provisional keeping a note of of this life this civilization that, that you have in your your garden Well,
1: I didn't keep bees to write about bees. Um, I kept them because I was just curious. Mm. Um, It was one of those things that just happened. Um, But I did, I think, from the minute, um, from the moment of collecting the bees, realized that this would be a kind of obsession. Um, Because it would allow me to adopt a way of writing that I was trying to develop, which was um, to write, literally, in the moment. before I'd kept bees I did a lot of walking poems and writing and walking and there was one I did around London, I did one in the Lake District and from that had sort of got very interested in working in the, in the, literally in the pressure of time and, mm. um, and trying to, to construct, um, to transcribe that, literally I suppose that, that speed of time, however that's, that's picked up. Mm. and. One of the things with bees is, is they do have this quality which is... Um, I mean, they not only have a sound and a pitch and, and harmonies and things, but they, but they also have a, a visible quality which I think suited my sort of um, note-taking, which was this kind of flicker. Mm-hmm. And, and that to me was... Um, in fact, I, I, I saw it today because I was looking at some turners um, in the National Gallery and there's this, the same quality you get there, which is this kind of, although it's a static, piece of painting, it's mm. kind of almost like a flicker in the, in the use of colour and tone, and the same thing happened to the bees. And I think that for me was was part of the the patterning that I was kind of um, in the engagement with this, with with what I was observing. So that the kind of correspondence between looking and listening and the act of writing was somehow fused mm. through this kind of flicker of exchange. So that in, in that sense the writing and beekeeping became one activity. Mm. Uh, they weren't separate things. I didn't go away and recollect. Uh, I wrote as I was in the kinetics of, of observing and, and doing what... I mean I do have a slight resistance against the word beekeeper because I think the presence of the word keeper sometimes it is maybe slightly problematic.
0: But. Well, yeah. I was just going to say actually that there's a line I think in one of the last poems, um, keeping is the problem. Mm. Uh, I think you say, and, and that's it, for, for a poet for a poet who is so um, interested in that kind of transience and capturing those, as you say, that flicker of of a vibrancy of life, of nature. Though capturing those things um, seems antithetical to being someone who keeps and Mm. and is sort of in charge of of the life of something in in a definite sense um i suppose the the keeping is i mean mean it is a kind of um
1: there's two facets to it really because um i mean you as a a writer you keep because you you write down things in a sense so you keep Mm. you you try and hold something intact in a certain pattern um it's not simply spoken it's written um Mm so in that sense there is a, there isn't a notion of keeping but it, it was kind of a question as well as much as anything that arose in in the sort of in the project of of keeping bees mm. um,
0: that word as well has um it has an emotional resonance to it as well because it sort of implies responsibility and because you um because of the, the way in which the bees are a sort of domestic scene in a way. I mean, all the thermals of their um, their feeling and their sort of um, terror at certain points of the year when the winter starts to set in and the there's a jubilation during spring. You know, you're, you're sort of at the helm of that in some way, even though you're also outside of it. And you're in this precarious position, sort of, I guess, a little bit like a father because you didn't actually give birth to the bees, you didn't um, incubate them in as they did, as the queen did and mm-hmm. as, the, as the bees themselves did but you are responsible for them so there's this sense of it being, I read a lot of these poems as a sort of as a very close domestic poem about people leaving um, mm-hmm. and time passing and there being someone who's kind of manning the, the fort continuously and do, as well as allowing you to write in the moment, did, does writing about bees does that allow you into other subjects' time to decay family sure, yeah very
1: much um, i mean it's it's husbandry, isn't it on one level so and, and as you say, there's a kind of parental sense of duty and and um, care and em- empathy i think <coughs> but it does also lead one to to think about other um qualities like time um, I think Samuel Beckett called time a monster <laughs> it's a sort of for me and for me it's a sort of um, something in which I sort of become because I'm trying to write in the moment or have been in certain poems and pieces of writing um, that it does have a kind of monstrous scale which is most of it is out of sight or out of reach that it's literally sprawls so so having a, a um a close scrutiny of, of one thing um, does does kind of give you those those measuring points um, mm. you can you can literally chart a graph or a change um, so in in a sense that's become a subject of the poems
0: as time is very important i mean the the journal is structured in with with dates and it's following more or less the course of a year it seems and Um, when I read this collection I don't think of it as I think if I had to say one theme that it was about I would have to say time because I don't uh, whilst it is exquisitely observed about the life cycle of bees and and it feels to me as though there is something um, that they are a sort of prism through which you're writing about um, decay and loss and one's Helplessness in the face of—I mean—that I think the scale is interesting as well. You're talking about the way that um, that Beckett idea of it being time being this great monster, because this the hive is both both compact and vast. It's sort of a gigantic civilization that that is crumbling around you, and um, it's deeply sad. I mean, especially in the sort of in the sort of shorter poems that lead up to. Dead of winter, and that complete sort of blankness that follows. Um, there's a sort of resetting going on. Um, do you do you feel an urge to uh, a kind of move? Do you feel an urge to sort of write back to that? Because there's a great faithfulness to each moment in the cycle. And you know, is there a, is there a tendency? There's an interesting poem about the defra. Um, inspectors and this mm. sort of clash of of um, of, uh, of attitudes, I suppose, towards and you know this. Um, sorry, there's a bundle of questions in there, but is so ta- bees are a way of, of of measuring time in a way. They become your measurements of time become shaped by theirs. But
1: yeah, they become uh, I suppose a, a sort of setting for the calibration. But it's funny, actually, the defra thing is. Um, I discovered, um, in going back to Virgil's Georgics, the fourth book, and where he describes, obviously, the, the, the life of the bees and how they're kept and so on, and, and the same act of, of in this in case, ripping mm. the Queen's wings off takes mm. place. So it's not, it's not I mean, that, this is what happens and it's a, something that Defra carried out, but people do, contemporary beekeepers carried out today, of clipping the wings. Uh, but it's been going on for a long time so actually that was a, a kind of little, um unexpected kind of resonance really with ancient the craft ancient craft of beekeeping mm. um so we haven't changed that much in our <laughs> approach um but <clears throat> but yes in in terms of the, i mean the, the nice thing about bees is that they follow obviously this this year's cycle very um they don't hibernate so but they so you can keep observing them in that sense. and um, But, they, but they, they pulse. So as you say, they, they change scale. Um, in the winter, they're, they're literally a, gro- a globe around the queen. In the summer, they're maybe within a two-mile, three-mile radius. Mm.
0: But they're still one colony, even though they're dispersed. Is that what draws us to them? I th- Perhaps because we're so kind of marooned in, in our individual... Identities is there something that compels us about bees this idea of perfect harmony and perfect union with with your with others you know is that there's sort of for human beings a, it's not always this, as straightforward as that and i mean, obviously that's a very um, broad thing to say but is is there something in the collective mind of of a bee of bees that um that fascinates because they, particularly poets, you know, there, there's there's a there's a long, as you say, from the Georgics. You know, they've fascinated for centuries, and they'll and they'll continue to. I thought this collection is remarkable because it it goes so forensically and so um, it illuminates um, aspects of of their life that, and ours that I hadn't heretofore read or experienced in. But I wonder why it is that we come back to be so often to teach us, you know, things about our, maybe our failures to be collective.
1: Well, they've certainly been adopted by many, many people and ideologies and um, as a kind of um, motif or um, something to aspire to, to, as you say, to learn from um, and used in many different ways <coughs> from the, the sort of Elizabethan Queen, or king, and I think they still called it a king then, the queen bee. Um, mm. um, to kind of more, um, Steiner took the bee as a kind of very strong symbol within his philosophy, and, and Joseph Boyce adopted that as well um, as, as a sort of an ideal, a sort of construct for the ideal of society. But, um, and they are one organism in a sense I mean I had a very strong sense of that as a as an onlooker observer. They, I was observing an organism I mean it's literally like opening a hive felt like ripping open someone's chest mm. to look at the heart beating I mean it seemed quite a brutal thing to do in actual mm. fact um, though uh, in in real terms they, they um, respond very much to your presence and mood I mean they do smell the mood as it were so that's it's a great way to learn to remain calm to control your <laughs> anxieties mm. because if you don't they do respond um, and if you're calm they're, they're very willing to to let you that you put your hand on the frames and lift them out and they'll just call you don't have to wear gloves if you're calm mm. so from that sense there's, there's a very sort of symbiotic relationship it does it's a, it's a there's a sense of dialogue which is interesting from the observer's point of view because one often thinks of the observer as a a silent aspect Mm. but um, but I suppose in in certain strains of science the observer is very meshed and Mm. and influential on the observation.
0: Mm. Um, You mentioned anxiety there and and, um, one of the lines in, in, um, I'm not quite sure which poem it is but... um, today's anxiety is the opening of a of poem and um this is i think this is there is that symbiosis between the bees and and yourself because there there is this sense of feeling being there's sort of being a white hot cable between you know your your emotions and, and the bees emotions and um without it being remotely um heavy-handed at all it feels like that's it's a, it's a very contemporary collection, I think, because actually it's sort of it's a lightning rod for um the anxieties of it's also talking about the decline of an economy in some ways and how we deal with um facing the sort of endpoint of an economy or the decline of an economy and um is when you're when you're approaching a poem or when you're approaching the bees themselves um some of these elements of life of contemporary life seem to seem to come out, but they 're never they 're very lightly done. It seems to me that, that you 're just absorbing some of the what 's in the atmosphere and the bees are as well and that 's what 's so striking Those are the, that sense of, kind of forage mm. <laughs> the,
1: the, that, um, I suppose it is a metaphor isn 't it? I mean the honey is made of of countless sources mm. um, points different different nuances in in the in the environment around. Um so it is a kind of in a sense, a kind of microfiche. Mm. There's a lot of data stored there, which is very, as you say, lightly inflecting the the general. <coughs> but um but also I think I wrote these I mean the poems as you say that they they're dated, so there's a kind of chronology there which you can follow and you can you can measure the points between poems in time but <clears throat> but around that, there's, on the approach to the hive and, and life around it, which is the unwritten aspect of, of any journal, um, there's a lot of thinking that takes place. So that, in a, in a way, although the poem is written in the moment, the poem has already been partly sketched out, or there are aspects which are lying latent and then triggered by the actual um, occasion of observation.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So in that sense, there's a lot of things that, that kind of crop up, um, which are being considered, I suppose.
0: Yeah. Um, technology is interesting as well. I mean, the, the the way that you visualise sometimes your, as you said, microfiche there, there's a beautiful line in one of the poems where you describe... Um, pulling out one of the, the trays as a, a motherboard, um, the, you know the, um, and I think there is this sense of the hive being a piece of technology, a piece of natural technology, but also it's also seems to be there seems to be there seem to be comments about surveillance as well about the way that the bees watch themselves and the way that you watch the bees. Um, you mentioned earlier that it's a sort of obsession. Um, and naturally so, but, um, how, I mean that again, very lightly inflected, there seem to be, I mean, the bees are hyper-connected, and so are we now. I mean, we, we're as mm-hmm. individuals, but we we buzz around the internet all day long, that's most what most people do most of their day, it seems, and, uh, you know, it, the, the bees have been doing that forever, and, um... You know, did you see? Do you see the the hive as a sort of piece of technology? It's definitely a
1: piece of technology. I mean, there's in fact there are two um, entries which contrast the the kind of beekeeper's technology with the wild state um, of of the sort of um, uh, what beekeeper's called burr comb or brace comb. I've called it in fact in, in the poem, but brace comb braces. If you leave gaps in your hive, there's this kind of gap, called the bee gap, I can't remember what it is, actual, it's a few millimeters, it's, it's enough for a bee to get through. Mm-hmm. If that gap is any bigger in a, in a man-made hive, the bees will start to fill it mm. with their own comb. Mm. Um, their own comb is very much more amorphous. Um, so we've regularised what the bees do for our convenience. Um, so there's an interesting kind of point between natural state and and human technology so this thing of um the kind of the structuring that husbandry brings Mm. is is but but yes even so bees in the natural state it is very much like um it does feel like technology i mean it is built it's an architecture very regular architecture which from I mean, it's fascinating just to look at. I mean, it's it's a marvellous thing to mm. see. I mean, it's beyond the human sense of um, of natural order in a way. I mean, until you really start looking at everything, if you look at your own fingerprint, you mm. you would almost feel that you couldn't claim it as your own because it's too marvellous to be. Mm. To be yourself—it uh, yes. does that make sense. It's yeah. um, sort of explaining it rather vaguely, but it's—I think throughout my um, sort of getting to know bees, and especially the first time, few times I looked at them, um, it just seemed extraordinary this sort of level of detail mm. and workmanship mm. in the hive, and and. Yes, in a sense, surveillance. In fact, the thing of surveillance cropped up in an earlier piece when I walked around London, literally just writing what I observed for 50 miles, just kind of, again, obsessively. Um, And it struck me afterwards, and I never thought of it at the time, but it struck me that this was just, this, this line that I'd followed through the city was just one strand of the millions who exist in the city every day, and their itineraries watching mm. seeing other people and hearing other things. Um, and that's what a city is composed of, in a way, mm. on one level. It's just all these... It's porous with observations. Mm. And the same thing in a hive. It's, it's, you, it's a privilege to have access to that. Um, and I think it's the privilege of access, which has astounded me more than anything as, a, as someone working with bees, that you can literally open it. Mm. And, and I'm envious of scientists and, and, and very accomplished beekeepers who can literally read the behaviour, and they can read the waggle dance and determine precisely where the forage is in the landscape. And find can
0: you just it. explain a waggle dance for a second? I well, mean, I think I have a vague idea. But I
1: can't describe it in, in detail, but they basically orient, they turn themselves from left to right, and they'll, they'll do a series of movements um, with a certain angle and it. It bears a relationship between the position of the hive and the angle of the sun, and the position of the forage, or if they're swarming, the position of a prospective home. <laughs> and those angles can be read, and the number of times they turn will determine the distance. Mm. Um, so it's this precise kind of navigational
0: um, Have you b- instruction. I um, mean, did it did it did it make you? do you look at them as a sort of mathematical problem in some ways because there's such unbelievable symmetry to some of their activities, I mean that one you just described, the comb itself is such a um, there's there's an ecstatic quality in so many of the poems and in, in what you just said that it borders on sort of it borders on the religious <coughs> that idea of there being an imprint or, or some kind of design whether it's uh, you know a uh, named maker, or just there seems to be as you say, the sense of the ecstatic in um in the near at hand, but perhaps you know the overlooked in the near at hand um I think of poems, perhaps the one that you might read um at the end of the podcast, um this beautiful description of the um the flowers and the gun putting on their music clothes, and there being this consciousness to to their environment, this sense of there being no waste, in a way in um, symbiosis um, is it I mean, has this brought you to moments of what you might call maybe religious fervour I think of um, a feeling
1: going right beyond, the th- I suppose one, one thing is that I felt it as a at one point, it occurred to me the hive was in fact a sort of instrument for a means of extending my range, and that would apply to anyone engaging with it. Um, that, that it that it offers, if you can learn to, if even if you just simply look and don't particularly make any effort to learn, you you're already extending your the range of your senses. You're seeing another level of scale and detail and a different pace of reality. Um, so from that point of view it felt like an ins- uh, an instrument of reading the environment that I knew as a human in my daily life, with you know, my own kind of height and scale and, and things that I do, like sort of you know, walk around it or put things in places or dig bits of garden, yeah. that I I have a certain relationship but with the bees it was kind of um moving me into a different zone and there's this idea that, um I think sort of quantum mechanics mm. that the the world is always slightly and, and um uncorrectably um out of focus and that it gives you it kind of is a way of pushing just slightly beyond the focus, the range of focus of the of the human. Mm. Um of course you can have a C and experience as a bee does, but you can kind of somehow find a midpoint mm. and tune in. Mm. Um, so with regards to kind of the ecstatic, I think um it just that there is a kind of I mean, there's certainly an ecstatic feeling. I mean the, the the moment at the end of the journal where I literally walk into a swarming mass of bees. Mm. Um, it's something which is kind of beyond comprehension um it's like an atomized
0: mm. body you become an element yeah.
1: you know or um and and almost you're you're complete they' completely th- they have it seems like they have no sense of your being there at all mm. if you open a hive, bees will have a sense of your being there, but in, in that state they are it seems truly uh,
0: ecstatic mm. and I think um form is very important here. I think shape and form. Um I've forgotten the name, but you, you mentioned a couple of times in, in the poem the, the old um those beautiful ovular Roman gourds. Um, the amphora Amphora, that's it. Yeah. Um and this I mean links a little bit to what we were talking about, the hive about the way that something can be both a piece of technology and also sort of in, in inhabited by nature. Um, form seems very porous here. Form seems like something that you can um, that can be changed um, because the bees themselves are going through such change um, from 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 um, larvae to um, forgive me if I get mm. the technol- the terms wrong, but through their life cycle. Yeah. Um, then you have this, mo- this poem when the wasps arrive which was very very sort of military and strange mm-hmm. to have them there, <coughs> they seem very barbaric by comparison and sort of, um, sort of surgical mm-hmm. um, and yeah and that mo- extraordinary moment at the end where uh, the final poem where you were sort of absorbed into this cloud of bees um, uh, uh, perhaps that's something that, that a poem can allow, a sort of exploration of that way that we can imaginatively and empathically be other forms, you know, we might see a dog in the street and sort of um, you know, that, that sort of classic Tolstoyan thing of throwing your your perspective into an animal or or into another um, and perhaps this is a sort of this is a a effect of that so that you're really sort of as you say, your range is, is extending in a million directions, sort of like a ex- starburst kind of way. Mm-hmm. <coughs> There's yeah. not really a question there, <laughs> but
1: yeah, no, that there, there is. I mean, form is, and and also, um, I suppose that is one of the the, the things that a, a journal allows as well. That, that the form. I could keep going back to that the change in their form and also the the change in the form of the poem, because I came to regard the journal as one poem rather than lots of poems. Mm. And uh, just as the bees are somewhere between technology and art and natural order, mm. um, that the poem is in a similar state of flux. So it's a kind of quest- another question of survival. How do you keep the poem surviving? Mm. and the Keep trying to um, adjust to the to the kind of form and respond to the sh- the changing form and pitch and um density mm. of of the bees um so the poem in, in some respects follows that um and it allows as you say um, images to to be picked up and then picked up later but in a slightly different mm. um way or use um so, yeah, that was one of my, my interests with, with sort of following the same thing for, for so long, so this, mm. this, this notion of form. Um, never uh, never having a finished form either because I never felt, I mean, strictly speaking, the poem could just go on forever as mm. long as these exist.
0: Yeah. It's... Um, it, it could never have been a regular collection in the sense that it could never have been a series of sonnets, it could never have been uniform in its form you know i <clears throat> i don't think because the poems shrink and expand and, and and fragment um in a in a sort of um in a way that seems very linked to the sort of size and the shape of the hive not not too literally but there is a kind of um evolving shape to the line um
1: i think i think the um it's a thing of of scale and thing of that thing of going to the edge, the limits of, of human um, sort of sensory range, mm. and, and even understanding comprehension. And but you get this kind of shift of something which is almost like a sort of a shiny surface tilting, and then you catch it mm. at, at one moment. And, it, and so I suppose there are echoes of the poetic, what you would consider the poetic line, mm. throughout but then they shift in and out of being that. Um, and that to me was just a, a sort of, it wasn't um, an in, sort of intentional mm. kind of objective, it was just that's the way it mm. happened. Like it was it. the only way it could happen. Yeah. Um, mm. but if you're tracking something it does change and you have to change with it.
0: Yeah. Um, you're su- the poems are so good on surface and texture, they're extremely tactile and, you know, without wanting to be sort of silly about it. There's a, almost an erotic quality about that leveling engagement about, you know, as you said, then capturing that turn and the sort of um the light sort of mentioned earlier about that that texture in the turner painting that you've you capture in the bees. Um there and and it is a kind of in some ways it's a sort of it's an erotic obsession in the sense that it's that it's bodily. Mm-hmm. Um and you know are these uh, a lot of these poems feel like love letters to me? does that ring mm. true for you
1: in a sense, yeah, I mean I did actually think of it um uh, the first time I showed it to someone um in fact but, uh, before it had been published in any form, I said it was a kind of love story. Mm. I didn't really think about it when I said it actually, but I said it's mm. a kind of love story and um it was I was kind of just hopeful that they might look at it and that you know it might be a way in, I suppose mm. for them. Um, at that point. And in some ways it is a kind of a love story, um, in that it's, it's very intimate. Mm. It follows something which is um, in some ways potentially tragic as well, so there's that. Mm. Um, but then on another level, on a kind of um, purely organic level, it is very sexual, I mean bees are dealing with the sex life of plants as well, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and honey. And their food and is is the product of that. Mm. Um, so, yeah. It, yeah, it's it's right in the thick of it. There. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's
0: a sort of breeding machinery, the hive, in a way, yeah. isn't it? It's sort of propagating their their yeah. And the, the, there's a sense of um, of the of a sort of erotic sort of um, disappointment. Or or um, shrinking uh, in in the winter that that's yeah that that feels very um, human I mm. suppose
1: um, I mean I suppose it's another if you sort of zoom out of it 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 is in s- in a sense one act of love I mean it's it's a sexual encounter mm. which as you say then diminishes mm. and then returns the following year so mm. it's 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 a repeating sexual
0: encounter. Renewals. Um, yeah, is that another thing that perhaps it's um, something that we can capture when we look at nature? We we we're reminded of our own abilities to to renew ourselves or to renew our um, whatever it is our, our bodies are. Mm. You know, and that's something that we can take. I mean, that's classically something that 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 we've looked at nature for.
1: Yeah, I had this one one thing which really struck me actually which is um, apparently something which a lot of beekeepers do, which is to particularly in winter put their ears but in the evening, at night go up to the hive and put your ear to the board and you hear them and it's the most amazing sound just humming, it was sort of very contented Mm. with other noises shifting around inside it but I had a very strong sense that that when I did that, that I was, because of the way that bees live, um, that they don't hibernate, they don't stop in the winter, they just literally uh, diminish slightly and contract. And they have to keep moving to produce heat and to regulate the temperature of the queen Mm. in their midst. Is it that it's a continuous noise, and it has been since bees evolved 50 million years or so ago? So that when you do that, you're literally listening to a continuous sound stretches right back mm. 50 million years and I suppose it's in some ways similar to the human heartbeat that when the, the fetus is within the mother the child um, that it that it finds its heartbeat there so in a sense the human heartbeat is a continuous so it's, it's literally tuning into that continuity mm. which has the pulse of 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 the I mean that, that pulse is governed by the the kind of time that we live in, which is the cyclical journey around the sun, mm. uh, and the winter and summer, the oscillation. Mm. Um, so, it, and again, that pulse again it has a sort of sexual connotation, mm. um, a sort of binary.
0: I Proximity to the hive is, is very important in the in the collection and and maybe it's just important for you generally i mean you're 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 quite far away from down in the basement in Grant and how you're not close to the hive and when you when you take a step back from it when you you know the collection's been published for a little while now I understand that that that, uh, that you're continuing this theme which I'm glad to hear um but just there's sort of taking a step back from 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 that process, from that journal and and from the bees themselves how does that change your to how you see them, if at all
1: uh, well I look at them less now um, because it's just, I don't bother them so much it's not <laughs> nice to keep opening them when they don't need to be opened and also I've learnt more about bees I know not to bother the bees so much um, yeah, I, mean, I was fascinated when I began and so I just Actually, would observe them, but now I, I'm, I suppose I know where and how to observe them. Mm. If that makes sense, As a, a, from the point of view of keeping, making sure that they're mm. still going, and um, but I still love watching them and listening to them. And, mm.
0: um, yeah, but in terms of in terms of the themes that are in the collection. Um, and when we mentioned surveillance, do you do you now reflect on those some of the elements that are in the collection differently in terms of... You know, you, I think this... It feels extremely timely to me, Stuart. but a lot of the issues that the bees face and that you face in this collection seem to be immensely contemporary. Um, how much is too much surveillance? Are we obsessed with... Um, are we obsessed with sort of um, economic decline, and we lost all sense of our sense of renewal? Or so many of those things seem extremely lightly woven into this collection, and yet, um, are there things that surprise you when you look at it? Because you must have been, they must have been in there, as you say, like the honey has been extracted from the woods. Mm.
1: Um, um, of course, they're in there. I'd, I'd be concerned if I lived to where I do in time and hadn't, I wasn't able to absorb any of the concerns of the time that mm. I live in. Um, that would be a severe act of denial <laughs> on some <laughs> level. Um, I think um, I was, yeah, economy is something that I was, I'm, I'm not um, an expert in economy by any means, but I do read papers and and I'm
0: kind of There's an epigram to the to the I, collection.
1: Yes, um, yes, shadow Works, an amazing clip essay. Um, in fact, they were interesting books. I think they were published in the sixties. Um, and bearing in mind they're pre-internet, but they they the publishers proclaimed the the series as a kind of unfinished or open dialogue, um, in the way that we could literally do now. It's mm. through blocks, and so on um but this is how they wanted to kind of forward these essays and it's essay on shadow work was was the one w- which i 'm referring to um, which yeah it's it's that element of a monetary economy which which is vital to the operation of the the monetary economy but but don't they don't actually get paid as such mm. um, so you might say in, in in his term that you know illustrator's essay, that maybe housewives, for example, were <coughs> the shadow workers, or yeah. one element of that shadow economy, um, that they have certain demands, but they carry out duties which then support other members of that community. Yeah. Um, so I wonder whether the bees, in some instance, uh, in some, some way, were sort of maybe a similar, took a similar role, um, and that goes to so maybe all... All animals, all creatures, livestock that we we mm. work with, mm. even plants, arable plants, and then we modify them. Um, but they 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 carry a role, mm. but it, it's not necessarily um, reciprocal
0: mm. um, in the way that we reward ourselves. Mm. Um, I'd like to um, close now, maybe with the reading, the second poem that we talked about. Um, it's. If you want to, perhaps say a few words about it. I mean, I think of this as one of the most joyful in the collection. Um, it certainly stuck out for me, and I think um, there's there's a sense of music as well. We haven't really talked about that. We talked about the humming, listening to the high but that deep kind of listening that you've been that you've been prior to you, that you've been doing does mm-hmm. that.
1: Um well it's it's um always nice to go through the winter <laughs> for one thing. Um, it happens to be very cold where we live and where the bees live. Um, so it's um I suppose it's a poem of, of hope as well. So this is, um, 20th of April. Frost. And frost yesterday. And last night. Strong little moon picked at your bones. The pear on the brink of unpacking its blossom. One bee marquise, nectar festivities. Tents. One day only stalls of druggy sugars the beers of flowers. Everything is dragged awake, puts on its music clothes.
0: Hmm. Um, Well, thank you for joining me down in the basement. Um, It's been a real pleasure talking to you. uh, And I really look forward to seeing... Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about what you're writing at the moment? Um, What am I writing at the moment? writing
1: several things. Um... (laughs) <clears throat> well I'm I'm following similar themes. Actually I, I haven't told anyone at all what I'm writing at the moment. But um but it was written what I'm writing at the moment was written at the same time as B journal in fact. Hmm. And shares I suppose um shares the same landscape hmm. um and has a kind of domestic centre to it. Um hmm. and it's, it tracks the same yeah,
0: the same period That's as B so it, does it feel like a sister work in some ways? Like a, a shadow work? Yeah, in a way mm. it is. Um,
1: it's more on the human scale. Mm. Yeah.
0: That's fascinating. And it's a, it's a, a collection or is
1: it a narrative poem? Really? Um, it's not going to be narrative in the same way. It's probably be more thematic in the mm. way it's organised. But again, that's not. I haven't settled mm. that yet.
0: Well, I so. can't wait to read it. <laughs> that sounds great. Thanks very much. Thank you.